All right. I promise you, me and Mark have been recording podcasts. We have like six or seven podcasts in the can, so to speak, but I just haven't had the time to edit them. This is a podcast we we recorded a few weeks ago with Amy Lewis. As you guys know, I started a new job at VMware and I've just been just overwhelmed wrapping down or winding down some of the bigger CTO advisor opportunities. I'll scale back on CTO advisor and spend most of my focus on VMware. So uh, the second thing I really wanted to get in as a preamble to this podcast is that this recording is meant to jumpstart a second podcast. This is not just the CTO advisor podcast, but a virtualized geek podcast in which we're focusing on careers. We're going to talk to Amy Lewis about her transformation. I guess you can call it a digital transformation from publishing into enterprise IT. How did she identify that she needed to make a change and how did she go about making that change? So we have Amy Lewis on and Amy, I've been meaning to ask you or your cohort this in person. And when I, when I say your co cohort, you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about. How do you quietly judge if you're actively talking about it on Twitter? Like how, how does that work? How do you <laughs> quietly judge while you're like literally talking about it on Twitter? Um, uh, I appreciate that most subtle shout out to my, my comrade in arms, Lauren Malhoyt. Um, we've taken up <laughs> quietly judging as a career. Um, you know, a, a, quite a while back, I, I think I would liken it to an iceberg. You know how they say you can only see like 10% of it, right? It's like that. So you're hearing 10% of our out loud voices. <laughs> oh, that's um, and we we've said so when we're when we're ready to exit in a blaze of glory, we're gonna start the quietly judging show, which will basically be us watching people's videos or slideshows and it'll just be the back of our heads like mystery science theater <laughs> and we'll just so we commentate yeah so we know we'll be fired and run out of town on a rail but say 10 20 years from now when we're ready to take up gardening or something else we're gonna quite look for the quietly judging show yeah i'm, I'm actually <laughs> quite looking forward to that yeah i'm ready to go i'm ready to check to see if the twitter handles there already so we can go grab that real quick just to watch you quietly judge people it could be anonymous if it's just the back of your head i'm just saying <laughs> well i think between the two of us well I don't know. When we're together, people seem to realize that what we're doing, but it somehow, <laughs> it started years ago, um, probably at, like at a Cisco live. And we just muttered something to each other, kind of leaned forward and muttered something. And then we seem to get our picture taken like that all the time. And truthfully, we are quietly judging everybody. <laughs> so it was true. Yeah. <laughs> so, I like the fact that you, you spoke about the Cisco days. It's ironic that both you and Lauren have been at Cisco at all about at different times. Yeah. As I look at both you and Lauren's career, this is one of the reasons why we want to, you know, we're, we're always listening to you about career advice, but, and you're Sorry. talking to other people. <laughs> we like to, we like to, you know, kind of poke and prod at, at your career a bit. You've transformed your career over the past few years. A lot. Several times. I, I feel like at least three solid times that I can think of. Maybe ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think part of it is 
saying yes and that sort of improvisational opportunity when it presents itself and it feels right to to take the leap and try. Um, I, I think it it may speak to just how I walk through life. Of I really do like to try new things. Um, that pioneer spirit, whatever, however you want to phrase it. But I've been very fortunate to have people walk with me through this journey. And lately, um, a lot of my focus has been on team building and, and continuing to help other people build their careers, which I really do enjoy. So I, I sort of joke that there's the public comms ninja who, you know, quietly judges in public and, and is on podcasts and, and does the individual contributor thing. And then there's this other side that's had an opportunity to grow over the past couple of years of director Amy. Right. And that's, that's like team mom. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's a whole different, you know, doing spreadsheets and budgets and, and working through assignments and coaching people in their career and untangling knots. And, and like I always tell my teams, I'm the one on your very worst day at work. I will be there with you on your side of the table. Like I don't interfere much, but on your very worst day, I'm, I'm there. I'm the one you're going to want, and I'm going to be sitting on your side of the table. So one of the things that I've noticed throughout the many podcasts you've been on, as we look to diversify our guest list, you did a great job at uh, on the Cloudcast a few weeks ago talking through kind of diversity and all that good stuff. I think looking back at your career, you're you're kind of the poster child, not just for women in tech, but for women who want to break into tech, what I haven't heard from you is kind of your origin story. I know you were in publishing, but how did you move from publishing to Bacon. information technology? Like what, like as, as Matt Broberg would say, what the hell? What the hell? What? <laughs> and he says that to me an awful lot somehow. Yeah. Um, the, uh, by the way, like how much do I love technology? Uh, Matt, Matt's dog and my dog had a play date over <laughs> FaceTime a few weeks ago. <laughs> quietly judging, quietly judging. Um, that's a story for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You should, you should. But we laughed out uproariously. Um, yeah, so I was in publishing for the first half of my career. And things that are things that are connected to my career, I realized I've almost always been a remote employee. I lived in New York for a little while. Um, and then I moved back to North Carolina my home base and and worked remotely to a job there. So that part, at least, I'm really familiar with. Um, and I, after I had my kids, I was sort of at a break point because I had I had accomplished kind of all that I could in that particular role. And you know, I knew that I had two kids and that's what I wanted to have. So pregnancy, and again, speaking very bluntly for any woman, that's a big um, sticking factor. If you're going to change careers or jobs or anything, you want to know where you are in your fertility, which seems nuts in this modern day, but it's true. Right. So I had kids. I knew that was all the kids I was going to have. And I was ready to kind of try something new. And I actually went to a job counselor and that might be why I'm so into trying to get people matched up with their next career. So I went to this job counselor I took a whole battery of tests. I spent a good deal of money at the time because I was in publishing and young and stupid. Um, but money completely well worth the spending. So I took the classic test, the Myers-Briggs, but I took this other test that basically said, if you like, do you like A or B? Do you like A or B? And it made you compare every single possible factor about a job to see what you'd like. 
most people think they're going to say money or power or, you know, I don't know, something like that. But what I, the most important thing to me was the ability to make my own choices. And it kind of, the, the unbelievable counselor who worked with me waved his hands over the tea leaves of all this information he got and said, you need to look for a job at Cisco. And I was, <laughs> and he goes, I don't usually, I'm not usually so prescriptive. He said, but here's the thing. It's a big company. You can try new things. You're an English major. You're an editor. You, you understand content. Technical people don't always have that set of skills. So you can, you can learn the other part, but you can bring them something. I never would have had the <laughs> guts. I wouldn't have even known how to start. I wouldn't have known where to look. I probably thought Cisco was a food company still at the time. I didn't, I didn't know. Um, and, and that's what it did it. Like he was so sure of himself. He was so completely sure. And it was so random. It was like going to see a psychic and having them tell you something and you just do it because it's so insane. Why not? And it worked. I got a content oriented job at Cisco and that was my, I was a contractor and that was my, my way in. Wow. So Mark. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say <laughs> next actually. I mean, there's, well, I have one other, I have one other kind of great part of the story because the, so of course, contracting is a great way to get into any of these big tech companies, but then they sort of hold that golden prize in front of you of like full badge, full badge. Um, and I worked for a, um, a friend of mine now who was, uh, and also a mentor and we had a QBR and these were a big deal in the group we were working in. People prepare and Cisco does the classic or this group did the green, yellow, red, like how's your business doing? <laughs> and I had inherited a business that had so much potential, but there were some issues. Everybody else got up and did their QBR and everything was green. Even if it wasn't, they all were committed to saying green. I got up and I had one green thing and like all red. I'm like, nope, we're in trouble. Pretty much we need to fix this or kill it because this isn't working. And jaws drop on the floor. And that is how I got the full badge at Cisco because I, I risked my own job, but I, I said the truth. So I always tell people that story as well. Just, it doesn't always work out, but somebody in the room is going to respect the guts of saying, this is terrible. Let's do something about it. I, I think that's actually a great two, two lessons there. One, always be, driving to find out what you want to do in your career. I think so many people, you know, as they grow up, especially, you know, we grow up and we want to be firefighters or baseball players or basketball players, but you know, that's not the reality for most of us. So we tend to, we tend to settle, right? We get a job somewhere because it's there. You know, we, we pick a desk at there because True. it's there rather than owning our own career. I think that's something all of us probably need to work on, especially early in our career. Well, but you know, take me for example. I'm I was somewhat mid career, and you can you can take the leap. Um, and I think I think you're right. Don't settle. Happiness is incredibly important. Happy employees. As a manager now, I I often say the job description isn't worth anything. You have to hire the right people, and then figure out what makes them the happiest, and that's where they'll do the best work. And if they're not mapped to that find the work that needs to get done somewhere else or figure it out together. But 
it really is an important factor and not because I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, one of those whiny entitled types. I, I just think you can, we can all get through and do the thing that's unpleasant with work. There's always something you don't want to do. It's like eating your Brussels sprouts or cleaning up your room, right? There's something that's on your nerves, but, but if 80%, 60%, even 70% is truly what fires your passion. And for me, it's being able to, to make my own decisions, being able to have some freedom to choose. And in every role, that's, that's been the, that's been the deciding factor. So Amy, let's follow that theme. You know, we're talking about transformations and pivot points in your career. I mean, you made this amazing jump from publishing to Cisco and not just from, you know, publishing to Cisco, you were a contractor and you finally got a full, full badge Cisco by all intents. If you look from the outside, you know, especially if you measure it by the publishing industry, it's a great company. Like it's one of those things. Like you go from being a journalist to having a full-time job in communications. You were going to be with the, the newspaper you're with forever. Publishers really don't jump as far as I know, don't jump shift often. That's really true. Yeah. What, what brought about, because you that's part of your culture, half of your career to this point, but most of your career to this point was in publishing, this very steady organization, industry. What made you kind of go outside the box again and make that next career move? I think the other piece of it, so I, I was very traditional and you're right. Publishing is one of those jobs that if you're lucky enough to get a job in the industry, you hold on to it with two hands, right? Um, it is people, it's very steady. It's very, um, it, it's got a lot of interesting people. There's a lot to hold you to it. It's got a culture. I was in online marketing within publishing. So I started out doing the traditional thing, but even then I couldn't sit still, right? I read manuscript scripts. I, I made a living proofreading and editing um, using my hardcore English skills and background. And then one day somebody's laptop was broken and I looked at it. And then one day nobody was a, had the nerve to reboot the server. I remember it was a dull server and the server closet of, you know, the one person I was the IT department. And like, I'm the only idiot that would get in there and push the button. It was not even that hard. I was being coached. Um, I think this was always in my blood because the other sort of part of the story, I was one of those, you know, when, when I was young, I wanted a Commodore 64 more than anything. Mm. And my parents thought it was going to rot my brain. <laughs> so they, they only gave me two games and a book for how to program. So I taught myself basic because you can only play the two games so much before it really will rot your brain. <laughs> and, and that, but I set all that aside. I was a chemistry major before I was an English major. Um, and I kind of pushed all that aside, went another direction, but it, it has, it key, it kept calling me. It kept calling me back. I like to know how things work. I like to be in something that changes. And so technology it was always there calling out, but I couldn't see the whole picture. So let, talk to us about kind of that, I guess that unknown. When I, when I look at something like a career move, 
if I don't have someone to talk to and bounce things off while, yeah, you know, you, you're obviously a self-starter, but there was a bunch of unknowns for this new industry. The technology is one thing, like we talked before the podcast in basketball, you can teach someone the skill, but you can't teach somebody to be tall. Yeah. Like you can't (laughs) train tall. Well, I think you can't train having the guts to, to leap. Right to decide right. that this isn't what I want anymore. I want to make that drastic, potentially risky pivot with your career, your 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 livelihood, right? Your mortgage, so to speak. You, you can't teach guts. You either you're either going to do it or you're not. You can try really hard, right? You can push yourself outside of the limits and you can do better, but you can't teach that. You just have to you have to want it. it it's and it's a great question. It's funny when I look back. Like I talked to. Obviously, all my friends worked in publishing then, or not, obviously. I didn't have friends in technology. So people kind of built me up and said, I think you can do this. You know, I had the counselor, but I really didn't have anybody. And it's, I didn't, I've never thought about this till you guys just asked that question. It was absolutely a blind leap of faith. Um, the other, the other story I'm, I'm on record is telling this one, but the other, the other person who kind of brought me through this was Brian Gracely. Um, sometimes you just get lucky and your cube happens to be a few doors down from, from Brian Gracely, right? Hmm. Somebody who knows the industry is incredibly innovative, is open to introducing people into it. He's, he's, it's that Detroit upbringing, right? Of like, make it or don't make it. You know, he's a, he's an athlete himself, like all those sort of metaphors we talk about. Um, so he, he knew he couldn't, he knew he could coach me in some things and some things I couldn't, but he just laid out opportunity in front of me and, and some of it because I pursued it. Um, I, I just felt like I want to know what this guy's doing. He's doing interesting things. My mentor said, you should talk to him. And I really pursued it probably. (laughs) I won't say stock. That's too strong. (laughs) But, um, for anybody who knows Brian personally, like you can only imagine what on earth he must have thought when this crazy lady with no experience or background just is insisting like that he show up to these social things or the, like, what he was like, she's so crazy. I'm going to give her a project. <laughs> I, I noticed you said your mentor suggested, yeah. right. Was that, a company program at Cisco? Did you reach out to Cisco and find somebody? How, how did you do that? Um, that again, just good fortune. I, I ask a lot of questions. So it's either going to get me fired or promoted. And I, I, and I honestly think that's kind of how I roll. So some of that, I don't know that I could teach or coach. That's just who I am. Um, because I don't do sitting still very well. And I think you just, for me, I was going to say the sort of, to answer the first question, I I do a calculation of not just like, what's the scary part of leaping, but what's the cost of sitting still. Mm. And honestly, that terrifies me. That really is such a motivator for me. Probably says much about my psychology, but the fear of kind of rotting on the vine and, and being stuck is so much worse for me than whatever is over the next hill. So given that you, it sounds like you, you know, asked the questions that you just kind of talked your way into a mentorship, which is great as a manager. Now, have you started anything um, to formalize that mentorship project or made that as an organizational thing? 
Well, I will say, so Cisco does have a formal program and I did that as well. I met some really interesting and cool people diversified the, the group through that. Um, as a, as a manager, I have always insisted that people not rely on just me and um, not to geek out, but I'm like single point of failure. If I change jobs, if you want to change jobs, if you want to, to, I love this Harry Potter phrase. If you want to call me a, a barmy old codger, like you should have someone you can say that to probably better <laughs> if it's not me for both of us, but I welcome you to say it, but let's, let's find the right people for you. And I, so it's never, I've never, honestly, and I respect that. I, I respect those formal programs. I think they're great as a way in, but I think like anything you get out of it, what you put into it. Mm. So sometimes the formal thing is is great and a super good match. Um, I really think people should take it on themselves as part of their career path, just to be interested in people around them and polite. And you can learn a ton. You you just have to ask and listen and the education is out there for all of us. I, I really firmly believe that. And and you, it, if you say like, oh, I want to be mentored by this super famous person and I'm going to be really disappointed if I'm not, then gr- great. That's aspirational, but cut through the part where you say I'm disappointed or it won't work out if I'm not mentored by that person. You can learn from everybody. Yeah. I. I learn from my kids all the time. So the idea that you have to learn from someone on this higher plane, I just don't, I don't buy into that. Yeah. I don't prescribe to that either. You know, I look at this kind of like the prescribed tweets thing where <laughs> your organization sends out, this is, this is what you should tweet and everyone, oh or you should tweet something along this lines, and everyone tweets the exact same thing. Oh, the know. worst. Why yeah, does anybody it, think that's a good idea? That is. Click this link to tweet this. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is. I've had to use some strong language. <laughs> but, oui, oui, poulet. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, chicken. Yes, yes, chicken. <laughs> so I, I, I've had this challenge and all the what you've said, I, I just kept, I had to mute my mic because I was saying <laughs> amen too much. <laughs> <laughs> one one of the people I actually went through before I made my career decision I talked to in this in the past month and a half was exactly Brian Gracely. He gave me yeah. a, a little over a half an hour of his time, maybe a little bit more than that, and just talking through his experience and suggestions. And then also people would be surprised. I'll, I'll come out bluntly and say this because uh, by the time this publishes, I would have announced it, that I made the decision to become a SA, a, a solutions architect at VMware. And I know Ooh. a lot of eyebrows will raise because they're thinking, wait, Keith, you've done the cube. You've done all these things. Why? Why SA role? And a lot of the decision was based on people that were uh, not as far in, in their career as mine. A lot of conversations, one-on-one conversations with Mark on just what drives me and what, what excites me and what gets me up in the morning and talking to customers. This is why I stopped the CTO advisor because I was not talking to customers and talking to customers is what, what gets me excited. Yep. So, uh, you and know, that's so I'll, important. Yeah, I'm, I'm the, marking everything that you're you're saying. I'm like, oh, 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 this is this is therapeutic. Yeah, if you're not doing what you love, you're not going to enjoy your job. And if you don't enjoy your job, you're not going to have your job. No, and 
honestly, like when people joke up like, oh, I enjoy eating chips and sitting on the couch. And I'm like, well, you in this day and age, you could probably figure out a way to make that make money too. But within reason, like you said, I think there's such a cool amount of things that we can do that we're excited about. And life is so short. And there is a way there is a way to map. There really is a way to map what you love with what will get you paid. And it's magical when it works. And I just have to throw out one more thing because uh, I love Brian Gracely, advisor to to so many people. It, he's a great example of somebody, John Troyer, Matt Broberg. The, the part about the hardest part about having mentors, and I'm sure I'll get some more amens here, is you've got to get ones that will tell you the truth. And you have to trust them enough to hear it and go, oh, I don't want that to be the truth. But it is. And to listen. Right? So I think. I think Mark literally in one of our Twitter DM discussions, he said something to the effect, it sounds like you'd be kind of stupid to take that job. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, I've, you know, I've known you a while. I knew why you left your previous job. I know what you're looking for. And sometimes it's easy for all of us to chase after what we think is that one thing that we want. Oh, yeah. You know, whether it's a title or money, a, a location, yeah. whatever it is. But in the end, those things don't make you happy. They yeah, really don't. I, I turned down like this senior director job opportunity that most people, you know, you, these are once in a lifetime job opportunities. But, you know, just uh, having a mentor slash friend who's able to just tell you like it is like, you know what? You can take that job. You make a ton of money. Whereas me and Mark like to say wheelbarrows of money. I love wheelbarrows <laughs> full of money. <laughs> I love wheelbarrows full Who of doesn't? money just as much as the next guy. But you won't be happy. No. Yeah, it, it it is. And honestly, every manager, every hiring person, you can feel it. I If I had a dollar for every time I did an interview and I thought, did that person, that person is on the couch <laughs> eating chips and they don't even, you know, just care. Like it really is back to the whole coaching thing. There's so many things you can teach. There's so many things you can coach, but you cannot, you can't coach passion. You can't coach interest. You can't coach curiosity. I can, I can help people temper those things or direct those things, but I can't make that out of whole cloth. And so when I, when I mentor people, I tell them, you know what, describe to your, try to go to someone that's never been hungry and describe hunger to them. Oh yeah. I, I tell them that, you know what, I can teach you yep. how to feed yourself, but I can't teach you how to be hungry. Mm-mm. That you have to That's want. Really good. That you have to have. You have to feel that yourself. Yep. I mean, let's face it. I think we're all really lucky in our careers, right? Oh, we yeah, could be definitely. doing things sure. that are a billion times worse than what we do now. So it's agreed. That that's great. I think we're all beyond lucky. So I, I like to personally let other people feel that luck too, right? I, I've personally reached yeah. out to people who were working on a help desk. Had a guy. He was he was a plumber. Right. He, he got, he somehow got a job on a help desk and I, I, you know, helped him work his career up from plumber to help desk technician to Linux admin to a guy who's running a Docker environment now. He's still a plumber, just a different type of plumber. So those career paths exist. And if you embrace the people who work in your organization, whether they work for you or not, in the end, the organization as a whole is going to be stronger and is going to be better, and you're going to feel better about yourself. All right, so we we have to close out. The, we can't go on talking <laughs> forever, although we could. Uh, but 
<laughs> people will stop listening. Uh, maybe. We so have Amy, Amy, so. We do have Amy, which helps out a lot. I'll listen. <laughs> oh, I thought I was, I was the listener here. <laughs> no, everybody went to sleep 20 minutes ago when I started talking. I have a very... um. <laughs> I have a very sonorous voice, apparently, because I used to put myself to sleep with it, listening to the Geek Whispers. When, when I'm traveling, my wife Lix, listens to the podcast to help herself sleep. I don't know if that's because we're that boring, or she just likes the sound of Keith's voice. I'm not really sure which. Either way is scary. Amy, how can people reach you? Oh, I welcome. I welcome people to uh to reach out i am most often on twitter at comms ninja um and on linkedin happy to connect and talk uh and i really will uh like i said i i believe in get paying it forward brian gracely took the time with me i tried to uh give give my time to people but often for difficult cases i still have to refer them <laughs> to the doctor gracely <laughs> but Thank you guys so much for the opportunity. I have enjoyed talking with both of you about your careers through the year. I'm so excited, Keith, that you're joining the, the, the VMware band of merriment. Yeah, yeah. We've got stickers. <laughs> I'm, I'm in a Twitter DM with uh, somebody, and I, it looks like I'll be one of five black guys. At <laughs> so, you know, I'm not I'm not exactly shy about the whole diversity. Thing. The VMware might, might want to rethink this whole offer. This loud black guy, a, a podium. So, right. I'm sure there's a there's a Twitter Ooh. handle ready and available. Yeah. <laughs> that guy at VMware. Right? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> so, Mark, wh where can folks find you? You can find me on Twitter at Sensi Storage or LinkedIn, or you can just you know hunt me down. It's not that hard. All right. And if you want to follow the bald black guy at, at VMware, you can follow me. Oh, you know, that would be a great Twitter handle, the bald black guy at VMware. I think it's number two. The bald black guy at VMware number two. Yeah. Uh, I'm at CTO Advisor on the web. The CTOAdvisor.com is where you can find the podcast. And if you want to put your mom, your wife, or your kids to sleep, you can subscribe <laughs> them to the podcast by uh, searching for the CTO Advisor in your favorite podcatcher. Until then, we'll talk to you next CTO Advisor podcast.